the fact that you're getting more bilateral neural activity when doing cursive could very well indicate that you're accessing that more artistic intuitive side. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, have you ever had a conversation with someone when you say, I work for the Institute for Excellence in Writing, and they think you're talking about handwriting? Maybe once or twice. Mm -hmm. You know, people Mm -hmm. have asked, is that about, you know, handwriting? Right. And yeah, and I get that frequently for some reason. Uh And they'll say something like, oh, that's so good because they so rarely teach handwriting in school. (laughs) (laughs) And then I have to say, well, actually, it's more English composition than it is the act of handwriting. But today we're going to be talking about handwriting. We are. Rather than composition. Exactly. And of course, there's historically, there's a huge connection between the two. Mm -hmm. And some of the more interesting new research Mm -hmm. that's come out supports the case for handwriting, even cursive handwriting, against um, kind of the majority opinion that it's a 20th century skill that nobody's going to need anymore Mm -hmm. because writing on paper will become moot when everyone is typing everything or or more likely just talking to their machines right. <laughs> in the next few decades. So, right. you know, there's kind of an interesting debate going around. And, sure. you know, if you, if you do research, you can find things to really just support any argument right. you want to in this, in this world. But I would say this question of cursive is maybe one of the very few times mm-hmm. that I have changed my position significantly right. over the years. I think probably when I met you mm-hmm. and I was doing the teaching writing structure and style seminar, I would make a joke and say something like, well, boys don't do cursive writing. The reason you teach them is so they can grow up and read their wives' handwriting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at that time, I think, you know, in the late 90s, early O's, we did see that when you would meet a person or a student who was doing cursive writing, a super majority of the time it was a girl or a woman. Right. That has probably even changed a bit, only I have changed in that I don't think the only reason you would teach cursive to boys is so that they would be able to read it, although that is one good argument. Right. (laughs) If you do not learn to write cursive, you Mm -hmm. will not be able to read it. And there are many thousands probably of of young teachers in this country who didn't learn cursive in school themselves and probably could not read a facsimile copy of the Declaration of Independence or maybe even a, a cursive written letter mm. from a grandparent. Right. In fact, I saw this funny little cartoon. These two old ladies were sitting there and 
And one of them said to the other, ha, 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 pretty soon cursive is going to be our secret code. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I've, I've met children who couldn't read cursive letters, mm -hmm. notes from grandparents, mm -hmm. and had to have mom or dad read it for them. So as a starting point, you could say, if you ever want to be able to read something written in cursive, then you probably need to spend some time learning to write it, whether you start at the beginning, which we can talk about that, or whether you do it for a limited period of time and then revert to something other than cursive. That That's one point in favor of just connection with the past. Right, right. I know that when I was in second grade, I think it was, the teacher was getting ready to teach cursive. And she would walk around the room and see which students had exceptional manuscript printing. And if they did, they would be allowed to mm. learn cursive. So <laughs> that was the big, oh, we want to be good printers so that we can learn cursive. It was very exciting. And that, you believe, was in second grade? I think it was second or third grade, yeah. Because yeah, usually, at least I think our generation and forward, mm -hmm. There's been this tendency to say, teach block letters, right. what often is called manuscript, mm -hmm. in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So yes. kindergarten, grade one, grade two, right. and then introduce cursive in grade three. Right. And then in our case, where I was in school in Southern California, it was a requirement mm -hmm. to continue to turn in papers in cursive, I think all the way through eighth grade, through middle school. And then in high school, they seem to just completely ignore. And right. so I, like a lot of guys, stopped doing cursive and mm -hmm. started printing or doing some kind of hybrid mm -hmm. writing. Right. But I am grateful in retrospect that I had those years of enforced cursive because I can read, I can read pretty much any handwriting I come across. Right. But a few years ago, I did this talk, Pen and Paper, What the Research Says. Mm -hmm. I think we, we did a podcast on yes, that. Yes, we did. And so people could go and listen more to that or listen to the whole talk on the website. I became interested as, the, as a result of changing myself. I believe I was somewhere around the age of 54. Okay. <laughs> which but is, just last week, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was at a conference, and it was actually Iris Hadfield. She mm -hmm. is Cheryl Lowe, who founded Memorial Press and mm -hmm. has ceased, since passed on. Mm -hmm. Her sister, she wrote a cursive curriculum, and mm -hmm. she got me. Mm -hmm. I was at this conference, and she was there. And she started talking to me, and super lovely lady, and up there in years, I don't mm -hmm. know, probably late 70s, pushing <laughs> 80 maybe. But she got me, and she gave me a personal one-hour <laughs> lesson why cursive has such value right. and how it would be very easy for me to go back. And I wrote a little bit trying to resurrect my cursive from mm -hmm childhood. And she goes, oh, very nice. Yes, yes, you can do this. Just mm -hmm. relax and, mm -hmm. you know, pick up your pen whenever you need and, you know, you'll do great. And I was so encouraged by this. I think it was that Christmas. I don't like shopping like a lot of men. And I finally figured out, you know, once all my kids were 
adults are close to it. The way to shop is you buy the same thing for all the boys and the same thing for all the girls. Mm -hmm. So you only have to shop twice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that year I bought a fountain pen Mm. for all of my sons-in-law and future sons-in-law and my son, and I bought one for myself. Mm -hmm. And so that Christmas day, we're all all us guys sitting around trying to use a fountain pen. And those things happen, I think, kind of in a combination way, this little mini lesson from Iris and Mm -hmm. this getting a fountain pen. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and retrain myself as an adult to write in cursive. And I would say it took me six to nine months maybe And I wasn't doing a lot. I was just doing it in my Latin workbooks because I was teaching Latin at the time. So I had to do, you know, all the exercises Mm -hmm. to learn this stuff. So (laughs) One step ahead of the kids. (laughs) Maybe, you know, 20, 30 minutes Mm -hmm. of cursive writing a day, max. I'd say maybe, you know, six to eight months maybe. And then I could write in cursive faster Mm. than I could print Mm -hmm. and as legible. And so I kind of shifted over and... I will oftentimes, you know, handwrite things out in cursive. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a very nice thing to be able to do. But it did take training because there had been that long period of time where I just never, never did it. Well, and as a result of your position at IEW, both previous to your lessons in cursive and now going forward, you know, this informed some of our products. So the Primary Arts of Language, PAL, which is our Learn to Read and Write program, pretty much starts as the traditional schools do, which is manuscript, printing. Mm -hmm. And I know when I was a school teacher and I taught first and second grade, that's what I taught my students as well, is the printing, and then later they moved into cursive. So, But we've also come out with a book as a result of your lessons and also based on the work of Mrs. Ingham because she taught cursive this book, Cursive Knowledge, that's basically a handwriting course for all ages. So someone like you, Andrew, of course, you were the impetus to create this book, (laughs) could learn cursive as a man. Or if you have a junior high student who just struggled with cursive, this is just, I wouldn't say this is a semester-long course. This is kind of a a boot camp of Mm -hmm. reteaching yourself how to do cursive or for even the younger kids maybe for the first time, learning cursive. A lot of states and school districts that have adopted the Common Core language arts discovered that there is nothing about cursive writing Mm -hmm. in language arts. In fact, there's really almost nothing about writing on paper. There's something about legibility in primary grades. Right. And then it's gone. Right. And keyboarding becomes the main thing that's talked about in the language arts standards. But quite a number of states, I believe there are seven now, seven states that have determined that they should teach cursive in schools. And, uh, you know, so the arguments kind of go like this. On on one side, this is articulated by Morgan Polikoff, who at the time when he wrote this in 2013 and this was kind of at the the peak of Common Core is here now. Mm-hmm. He uh, was an assistant professor of education at the University of Southern California. 
And his argument goes like this. Cursive should not be taught because very few people use it. There is little research to show positive effects on other learning. We could look at that comment in two ways. Number one, he found very little research. <laughs> right. Because you can always find what you want and not find what you don't want. Uh, but some of the research I found uh, since then actually does indicate a positive effect, especially for your dyslexic students. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a whole bank of interesting research about cursive writing and dyslexia. He did point out that the Common Core, which uh, he called well-constructed standards, do not require it. And I think the main argument that you hear is that cursive instruction takes time away from more important or valuable things. Mm -hmm. And then the extension of that usually goes into a STEM. We need the science and technology and engineering and math and all that. And so if we spend time doing cursive writing, mm -hmm. we will spend less time teaching those things. Which is true. And that would be bad. Yes to something means no to something else. But whatever you're saying no to, it had better be something that you really don't need. Yeah. So right around that same time, William Clem, uh, also a PhD, uh, he wrote an article for psychologytoday.com where he made an argument for cursive, mm. that cursive should be taught because it builds sensory motor coordination. It develops the brain better than printing, and there is research to support this, mm. significant research. What I mentioned earlier, learning to write in cursive allows a person to read it. Cursive letters are more distinct, easier to recognize, mm. And cursive writing helps prevent letter reversals and helps with dyslexia. Right. And then finally, I mean, I don't know how you measure this metrically. Part of his argument is that when students write in cursive, they develop a sense of accomplishment, pride, individuality. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I have talked to people who work in banks, mm -hmm. and they will sometimes have to deal with young people who never learned cursive. <laughs> And one consequence of that is they don't really have a signature. Interesting. They can print their name in a kind of differentiated way, but they don't have a signature in the sense that you and I would mm -hmm. think about that. So those are the two cases. I think most people that would be listening to our podcast, using our materials, would probably lean toward the argument for cursive, mm -hmm. although... There is the challenge of, well, how do you do it? When do you do it? Right. Really, what if a child is complaining and it's just overwhelming and you've got tears and is it worth it, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. One fascinating little thing I came across uh, in preparation for the podcast, I was kind of looking for some updated mm -hmm. information. Evidently now there are several cursive summer camps Oh, my goodness. Where wow. parents can send their children to, you know, a summer camp where they get to obviously play games and mm -hmm. do sports activities. But one of the things they have as an objective is to teach a child in a relatively short period of time mm -hmm. cursive writing. We should ask them if they want to use our book for that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could we could look into mm -hmm. it. I'm, mm -hmm. I had never heard of such a thing yeah. before. When I was a child, I went to a music 
summer camp. Mm -hmm. And so we would do three or four hours of music Mm -hmm. a day, which, you know, when you're 11 years old, that's a lot of violin Mm -hmm. playing. Mm -hmm. But then we do the other things. um, But I thought, hmm. Cursive. I went, I went to a speed skating camp <laughs> oh, year you? after year. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know, you could do a lot of fun things. You could get calligraphy pen nibs. Mm-hmm. You could, mm-hmm. you know, look at different styles. Yeah. You could. So, one of the probably most cited researchers in this area is a woman named Virginia Berenger at the University of Washington. Okay. She's done studies for many, many years. She's a cognitive psychologist. I recently just heard an interview with her on, I believe it was Wisconsin Public Radio. It was was one of the public radios. And then callers calling in about weighing in on cursive Mm -hmm. or not. But one of the things that's very interesting about the newer research is this fMRI, the functional MRI. Okay. So when you and I think of MRI, we think of you lie on this thing and they put you in this tube and you have to be motionless or, you know, that's my image. I've never done it. Claustrophobic happening. Yeah. But now evidently there's technology that can basically just put kind of a little cap with sensors on your head and actually observe the neural activity in different parts of the brain while the person is doing different activities. And one of the things they found is that there's more neural activity happening Hmm. with handwriting than with typing. And there's more neural activity happening with cursive than with manuscript printing. Interesting. And what is even more interesting, it's not just there's more neural activity, but there's more bicortical neural activity. So, you know, you talk about the People say right brain, left brain, or Mm -hmm. dominant, subdominant, where one side is kind of your language, executive, logical function. The other is your artistic, intuitive. You know, a lot of people have a lot of different things to say about that. But the fact that you're getting more bilateral neural activity when doing cursive could very well indicate that you're accessing that more artistic, intuitive side. Yeah, because those loops have to look pretty, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah, and, and does that affect the quality of language? That's an area where the research seems to not be conclusive. Mm. With younger children, evidently writing on paper, children produce more and better writing. Mm-hmm. Whereas older students typing keyboard and a computer, they will produce more and better writing. What I usually say is I think there are significant benefits of keeping kids writing on paper mm-hmm. at least their first draft okay. of something mm-hmm. for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's usually going to be around 12, 13 years old. At that point, the kids are just going to be like, well, why? Why can't I just type it? Come on, really? Look <laughs> at the world. Okay. But at least you got five or six years of writing on paper. Right. And you do have the skill of mm-hmm. doing that. If you start letting children type everything except math, but now even math is a lot of it's online. If they pretty much start typing everything in the primary grades and up, mm-hmm. they could become adults who actually don't have the ability to write on paper right. with any kind of fluency, confidence, or speed. And I think all of us would agree 
that'd kind of be sad. Yep. I live in the modern world as you do, and our life is full of technology. Mm-hmm. But I am very grateful that I can take notes on paper right. or write things. I, I, I would be very sad if that ability was not there, if it had never been developed or, mm-hmm. you know, God forbid I should get a stroke or something and, and lose that. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm always suggesting. Another bit of research does show that students who write in cursive score higher on standardized writing assessments. Okay. Including the SAT and ACT essay portions. Okay. Now, there could be a few, this could be correlation, not causation. You can't necessarily that writing in cursive makes you smarter and therefore you, or, or makes you a better writer. What you could notice is that if you write on cursive, you will write faster, mm-hmm. significantly faster. Right. In many cases, 20 to 30% faster. Hmm. So that would indicate that if you're taking a timed test of an analytical or argumentative prompt, which is most common, the more you write, the higher your score is likely to be mm-hmm. because you've made a stronger argument or a more in-depth analysis simply by virtue of getting more words on paper in that same limited amount of time. Right, right. But there could be there could be other elements. And one study, this was uh, Anne Mangan and uh, Jean-Luc Villet, an article published in a book called Advances in Haptics. Haptics is the mm. study of multi-sensory interaction. So touching and hearing Mm-hmm. Right, so a lot of people set on their phone a haptic response. Mm-hmm. So if they're using, you know, a keypad and they want to know that they touched it, <laughs> the the phone will emit a little sound. Yep. So that's I didn't know this word haptics, mm. but what they found is that the neurological benefits you get from doing cursive writing appear to be very similar to the neurological benefits you get from playing a musical instrument. Mm-hmm. That there's a a multi-sensory integration somehow hmm. that happens more than printing on paper or typing. So learn cursive so that you can be smart. Well, I'm not going to say that is conclusively <laughs> supported by all the research, but it's not. There's nothing that would oppose that idea that cursive makes you smarter. Right. Right. And I know one time when we were talking about this years ago, when you were, you know, basically preaching to yourself and others about the value of cursive, you mentioned something about how it could help with ADHD children. Oh, yes. Yes. That whole program, Retrain the Brain, Mm -hmm. Jeanette Farmer, who's since passed on, but I believe her website and her materials are still continuing. Mm -hmm. Um, she found that you could actually see big improvements in behavior by retraining the brain with a combination of cursive handwriting, beginning with just simple loops, Mm -hmm. you know, like sequences of L's, Mm -hmm. uh, which is how, you know, people used to learn long ago Mm -hmm. is they would just make these shapes without being letters. Mm -hmm. They would make basic movements again Mm -hmm. and again and again. Anyway, uh, with with cursive writing and a particular type of rhythmic music. Mm. And uh, I thought that's kind of interesting because if you're a bit ADD <laughs> and you're trying to write a word, 
and you write a letter and then you pick your pen off the paper, you're done. You know, okay, so what's next? Oh, there's another letter. Oh, shoot, where is it? You know, and so it's a kind of a fragmented thing. Whereas if you're writing a whole word in a proper cursive methodology, you're keeping that pen Mm -hmm. on the paper until you get to the end, Mm -hmm. at which point you have to go dot your I's and cross your Mm -hmm. T's. So it forces an attentiveness. Mm And her research, and good heavens, her bibliography was about 17 pages long. I never saw such an extensive collection of research. Mm-hmm. So if people are interested in that, it's retrainthebrain.com. Yep, and I, we'll put that link in the show notes. Yeah, I, I believe it's that her, her one of her children continued oh, good. Uh, mm-hmm. with her work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was kind of a... A leader in that. So, you know, the other thing, you know, the dyslexic, and there's huge papers on this, mm-hmm. a, a study of well over a thousand students that cursive pretty much eliminates letter reversals. Oh, okay. Um, although it is possible for some dyslexics to actually write an entire word in reverse. Hmm. But when you think about it in a simple way, if you're a dyslexic kid and you've learned to write a B and a D, by using a stick and a ball, mm-hmm. and you make that stick, you now are this way or that way, this way or that way, this way or that way. Right. You know, and it's right. Murphy's law of dyslexics. You're always going to get it wrong. Right, right. Um, whereas when you think about the the kinesthetic activity of creating a bee, mm-hmm. it's an entirely different muscle memory, mm-hmm. kinesthetic, tactile experience than making a D. The shape, the motion, it's completely different. Right. And so it also reinforces that left to right. It mm. it makes the letters more distinct in the, you know, people call it muscle memory. That's that's actually not true, but it's the memory in the part of the brain that controls the muscle mm-hmm. rather than the part of the brain that visualizes the letter. Right. So you mentioned a couple of learning disabilities, ADHD, dyslexia. What I find interesting about this is that we can think that cursive is complicated, but yet for these kids, this is actually something that can help them, and it's not complicated. Yes. Well, the truth is about cursive Mm -hmm. that prior to the early 1900s, all children were taught cursive first Mm. from the age of starting to write six years old or so. So some people believe that cursive is more difficult for children because we've had a hundred years now. First you teach manuscript, then in third grade you do cursive. But before that, um, it was pretty much universal. In fact, um, Sam Blumenfeld wrote an article, 2005 Practical Homeschooling, number 63. And uh, in his uh his article, he made a case for actually teaching cursive first. Mm. And he made this observation, which I've seen now because I'm watching grandchildren of all different ages, right? Children naturally make curves and circles Mm -hmm. before they make straight lines. So making straight lines and figures with straight lines, such as, say, triangles, or think about a capital A, Mm -hmm. that is actually harder Mm. than making curved letters. So that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. 
Um, another uh, thing that he pointed out is that you know your writing habits are most firmly established in the first few years. Oh, sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you start printing and then you have to remediate, you lose momentum. There's resistance. You're now slower writing in cursive than you were not writing in cursive. Mm-hmm. And nobody likes that, right. especially not a, a little kid who's eight or nine years old. Right. Uh, nobody likes getting slower. <laughs> no. Right? Um, so you you have that kind of remediation resistance. And, and the good teachers will do what yours did, mm-hmm. which is, okay, mm-hmm. if you're good, <laughs> if you work hard, if you prove yourself worthy, yeah. then, then you get the big privilege. Yep. And that... <laughs> Probably tends to work better for the girls, but <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't actually until typewriters became ubiquitous mm-hmm. that printing was taught first in schools. So it was really at the turn of the 1900s. Sure. Yep. Um, and one of the odd arguments that existed then as to why children should print was. If they don't print letters, they won't be able to read typed letters. Right. Only that makes no sense at all because there had been typeset books yes. for hundreds of years. Yes. <laughs> and children in the 1800s were learning cursive first. Yes. No problem. Yes. And in some European countries, they still teach cursive first. Yep. yep. And still able to learn to read with no difficulty. So, um, so there, there's quite a bit of research there, and of course, most people I meet are not immediately enamored with the idea of cursive first. Right. It seems like, oh no, yep. how would I ever do that? Yep. You know, it seems unreasonable, but there's plenty available. And uh, you know, with our book, I think we've got a, a nice balanced thing where mm-hmm. we've got very clean, clear letter formation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're not touting Spencerian or Denelian or any of those. It's just a, a simple, clean font. Mm-hmm. We actually worked with a designer to create our own IEW alphabet uh-huh. in oh. cursive. And all of our letters start at the baseline, which we, through you, have learned that that was very important. Right, right. And then the other thing that our program has that's a little different than a lot of other cursive programs, is there's no tracing. You're actually imitating rather than writing over the top of someone else's cursive, and that's something that's important. That was a bit of research that came out. uh, I think it was Behringer's work, but one of the studies that I I found said that you get a whole lot more brain activity Mm -hmm. if you're trying to freehand copy as opposed to uh, tracing. Right. right. Uh, now, there might be some value, especially with young children in a Montessori mm-hmm. environment with they use those little sandpaper letters. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. There could be value there. But when you're actually trying to learn to do it, mm-hmm. uh, the most effective way does appear, appear to be copying freehand. And there's a progression. And mm-hmm. we've got, you know, yep. you work with certain letter sets first that have similar strokes. Exactly. Uh, and then you expand those letter strokes. And there's there's no rule that says you have to learn, you know, A before B and N before M, M yes. before N. In fact, in our system, they're learning the C, O, and A 
first mm-hmm. because of the the stroke order. Mm-hmm. These are the and D would be an extension yeah. off A. D yeah. and yep, and off we go. And stroke order is so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, even if you weren't going to teach cursive, I would encourage everyone helping children learn to write. Don't let them be haphazard or random about the order in which they mm-hmm. make the strokes on the paper. Right. Because when you do that, you're you're making it harder for them to develop a habit that will lend itself towards speed and consistency and and automaticity. Right. Well, we are out of time. I'm sure that our listeners will find a lot of what you said very helpful. But I have to mention this. We have PAL. And we developed PAL based on the work of Mrs. Ingham, mm-hmm. who did teach manuscript first and mm-hmm. then moved into cursive because that's where you were at the time. Right. That was your belief. But we are hoping to add in the next year or so a, a component of PAL so that if parents choose to do cursive first, they'll be able to. But in the meantime, if you are convinced that cursive first is the way to go and you want to use cursive knowledge, that's cursive knowledge, two words. Cursive. Not curse of. No, no. <laughs> cursive, it's, cursive. It's, it's kind of a little play on words there because, you know, we think that we know, already know something and that's called the curse of knowledge. Yeah. But this book, Cursive Knowledge, isn't too hard for a primary student to use. Oh, yeah, not es- at all. Especially because a lot of these pages you can download and then maybe blow them up a little bit and make the lines a little bigger for your your younger students to write on. But you could just swap out the manuscript in PAL for the work in cursive knowledge mm-hmm. until yep. we've got that. Until we've got it. And yep. really, I would say also, if you are an adult, mm-hmm. even a grandparent like me, (laughs) and you would like to reactivate the distant cursive abilities that you had in sixth, seventh grade. Who knows? We might be able to find a study that says that learning cursive as an adult will help prevent Alzheimer's. I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Great. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcasts. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudoua and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. <laughs>